Welcome to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. Yeah. And uh, that man making the sound of, I'm going to say a medical car going around Suzuka Circuit in the rain for two hours is Andrew Berger. How's everyone doing today? Good to be here. And we are talking Japanese Grand Prix. If you could sum up that race in one word, or the whole, the entire weekend in one word, what would it be? A lot of waiting for a little bit of racing. Wasn't one word, but I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> All right. I'll, be, I'll say waiting. Waiting is my one word. Okay. I would just say monsoon. Sure. I was so dumbfounded by the rivers and the standing water sitting on a Formula One racetrack. It blew my mind. I, I, Formula One race, uh, racetracks, they're regulated for Formula One racing because they're deemed safe enough to be raced on by these cars. And they have all the correct dimensions and the right length of pits and all these other regulations that the FIA deems. I was just, it was so weird to me that th- there was just water there. The climate's going to get worse or- and the rain is is going to be more aggressive as the years go on. So we're going to be seeing more of these delays in the coming years. And uh, like thinking back at old races, like we were talking recently about the Nicky Lauda and Hunt. What was the movie? What's the movie called again? Rush. Oh, Rush. yeah. I yes. have another f- and, anecdote to that. Yeah. And how like they're le- the I mean, they mentioned it in the movie and obviously it's historical and it's fact. But like the last race. Lauda skipped out on because he said it was too dangerous and too wet and there was no visibility. I wonder what that weather was compared to this weather. I think it was at the same track as well. I think it was at Suzuka. Oh, was it in Japan? I think so. My dad, uh, my dad mentioned that as we we're watching the race. We'll we'll put in show notes if it's correct. Well, uh, we can do it this way. Was do you remember if that was a figure eight track? Because I think this is the only Formula One figure eight track, correct? Hockenheim. But that's in Germany. And they did the Nürburgring that year, which is where Lauda had his accident. Gotcha. Anyways, back to 2022. 1976 was a pretty good year, though, for Formula One. So, qualifying. In Q3, Max Verstappen and Lando Norris. What what was that little incident? I think Verstappen just kind of fishtailed a little bit. Car got out of control, and then he turned to correct, and Norris happened to be overtaking him, passing him, and then there was just a mix-up. Verstappen apologized to Norris on the radio shortly after. He took full blame. Obviously, at the moment, Norris is like, what the hell is going on, this guy? And even Verstappen was like, unbelievable. But I don't think he was saying unbelievable to Lando. He was saying unbelievable to the situation. I I really don't think there was a lot to it. It was just bad place, bad time for everybody, but props to Lando and how quickly he can react. That was impressive. That was just, yeah. Cause that was close Two close. Things happened. Uh, so we had that in qualifying and then in mm-hmm. the race with Hamilton, almost hitting that billboard, Carlos Sainz crashed into the wall, oh, yeah. knocking the billboard onto the track. Yeah. And then Hamilton just missed it. And I think, was it Gasly. Gasly who crashed straight into it? Yeah, dude. He um, it was he looked like he had a snowplow on the on the nose of his car. But 
There was a great meme that said, oh, the new uh, AlphaTauri upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but also, uh, Gasly had a crazy uh, miss as well. There was, it was during the safety car, so lap three, right before they red flagged it. So Gasly was kind of going at speed to catch up to the safety car, but he passed where signs crashed. I think that was turn three as well, funnily enough. And there was a recovery vehicle on the track. It was like this giant tractor. And if anyone who watched the race, it was so like the rain was just so heavy. You couldn't even see in front of you, like the rooster tails and the spray from the back of the cars in front of these drivers was just, like it was, it was extra, very unsafe for the for anyone to be driving. He got a penalty. Did he get a penalty? I can't remember because it was under review. He was very upset. He couldn't see anything. He was slowing down, but he wasn't. He wasn't slow enough when the incident happened. Yeah, so he was going faster than prescribed to catch up, but he almost hit this tractor. Yeah, and then the people had to kind of jump out of the, not jump out of the way, but they they moved kind of quickly out of the way. Yeah, and it was reminiscent of an accident that happened back in 2014 with Jules Bianchi, who was like uh, an ascending Ferrari driver if he didn't have this accident. And he, it was at the same track, he went right into the tractor, and nine months later he died from head injuries. Yeah, that was a violent one. It was awful. It was, yeah, and he was, Jules Bianchi was close with essentially the entire Formula One grid today. Like, he came up with that group of people. Uh, Like, Gasly, um, he was Charles Leclerc's godfather who helped him get into Formula One when his funds were running low. Just, you know, Jules Bianchi is that, I guess, that angel that, we didn't really get to see uh, spread his wings, unfortunately. I mean, figure eight tracks are cursed. <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. I didn't realize the track was a figure eight until I saw like a, a wide shot of the helicopter. And I was like, wait, why is there a bridge over the track? And then I looked up the uh, the layout and I'm like, wow, I feel like an idiot. It's very subtle. You know, yeah. it's not like a very obvious bridge and also the the land and the grass kind of comes up with it so it just elevates and then there happens to be a bridge it's more like there's a tunnel than there is a bridge if that makes sense yeah it's like a little hobbit hole (laughs) you know i wouldn't even call it like a tunnel it's like a little hobbit hole because of slight elevation no that's exactly and What's really funny is I know Suzuka the best because, or I know it best for uh, drifting in Formula One, or no, for drifting in Gran Turismo using my brother's steering wheel and pedals. My brother has this awesome setup where it has some serious force feedback. Like you really have to yank at the wheel to get the car to turn the way you want. It's like haptic feedbacks or whatever. Is that that the same thing? Or is that just like rumble pack? That's... They're all different. So I don't know how haptic works. I literally just watched a video on Nintendo and the Rumble Pack for the oh, Nintendo 64. Yeah. And how it came with like Star Fox. Oh my God, that changed my life. It changed video games, dude. Yeah. 
And then like months later, PlayStation released the DualShock controller. So like everybody had it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool how they can do that with like steering wheel and pedal sets and they can have resistance in the braking and and they can have the the steering wheel fight you to to feel that, uh, to feel the road. Oh yeah. And it's violent with these steering wheel and pedals. If I let go of the wheel when I'm like, you know, about to spin out the st- <laughs> the steering wheel will like turn both ways like violently, like full lock yeah. left and right. So you have to grab it, but make sure you don't lose any of your fingers. It's. <laughs> I was playing with uh, one at my brother in law's, and we had it on like kind of a really cheap tray table. And I let go, and the wheel turned, and the whole thing just flew off the table. <laughs> Because it had like centrifugal force or whatnot. Oh yeah, <laughs> it like spun out. Anyways, back to the to the race. We lost signs, all bond, all in lap one. Yeah, from um, incidences. I just want to bring up Vettel very quick. His speech was so emotional after qualifying. He did it in Japanese. Uh, this is his favorite track, uh, and it's yeah. You know, it's sad seeing him go. And he really, he feels like a guy who's in touch with his uh, emotions and whatnot. And he's getting teary-eyed and he's uh, being real in interviews. And it's just great to see. So he's a a sad guy to lose. And we keep getting reminded over and over that we're losing Vettel after this season. He's having, he's like the guy who has like a million goodbyes. Like he leaves a party and like, like, weren't you supposed to be gone like 20 minutes ago? You know what I mean? (laughs) He, yes. Yeah, I know. I I, used I say to that because I'm that guy. I'm like, all right, oh. I'm taking off. And then I end up talking to someone else, say bye to them. And then I'm like saying bye to everybody like 12 times. Oh, no, no. I used to be that guy. But now I just like, I'm like, all right, guys, like, bye. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, yeah, Vettel. I missed the speech, unfortunately. But I did see a lot of people like, they just handed him like piece of artwork they made for him. The fans love him. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was interesting to see... Uh, Joe Guan Yu drive in Japan though, because as a Chinese driver, you know, both countries have tensions with each other. So it was interesting to see how he was received with the crowds. It's almost like the International Space Station when America and Russia work together. You leave politics aside and you're a couple scientists working on experiments. You don't have time to like Yeah, you know, uh do the politics of it. I feel like uh Formula One's kind of the same way. Joe's on the grid. He's not really thinking about the politics of it. He feels the weight of China. I guarantee you that. Oh, geez, but, yeah. No, thanks. You know, uh, but speaking of Asian drivers, Yuki Sonoda, he was doing all right in qualifying. When, when did he, where did he land up? 13th. So not great. Very mid. Man, he seems like he would be the worst person to work with. Like, imagine being his engineer on the radio. I would quit my job. Hi, everybody. Joe Leonardo here. And this is Andrew Berger. Along with being the hosts of Stateside F1, Andrew and I are audio engineers with thousands of hours of podcast experience. Between the both of us, we've worked with a wide variety of companies from Google to Discovery as editors, mixers, sound designers, and even social media managers. If it's a companion podcast for a TV show or just a hobby among friends, we can help you with your podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at statesideF1 at gmail.com. So 
the restart. So after an hour and a half, what felt like of just watching replays. Oh my God, Joe, the Sky Sports and F1 TV app, as much as I love both, I could only see, you know, the replay of the race start X amount of times before I just want to stop, you know, be like, all right, Formula One, I'll watch the race recap or I'll listen to stateside F1. I got to say those commentators earn their paycheck because (laughs) they literally had to talk about nothing happening for two hours. Yeah. Jolene was going on about like how the cars are better than drivers. He was literally going to the well of nothingness. He was like, I think Formula One's more about the car than the driver. Like it was exciting to watch someone talk about nothing for two hours. It felt like some sort of like writing exercise. (laughs) It was the thing that made me crazy though was so they kept showing. Signs is crash, which looked terrifying because what what freaks me out the most is during a Formula One accident is when you hear the tire squeal because you don't usually hear it in Formula One. But when you do, it's a sound that you kind of hear walking down the street, like, you know, tire squealing. So it makes it feel more real. It's like, wow, this guy was actually going pretty damn fast in a span of 10 seconds. You also don't really understand speed in like a long focal lens, like anything that's filmed with a long lens. Yeah. Like coming at you, uh, you don't really, you can't grasp how fast it's moving because it seems so detached from the background. Like uh, I think when they do the helmet cams, those really show how fast they're moving, even more than the halo cam. Like the helmet cam, it it shows the, the movement of the bouncing and you're really seeing, you're really feeling that speed. Yeah, the helmet cam is my favorite view this year. It's. I wish they showed more of the helmet cam during the race because I'm always curious what it looks like at the driver's perspective behind the visor in the rain. Do they give it to everybody or is it only a few drivers? I think everybody has it now, but at the beginning of the season, I think it was only you know a few select drivers that had to deal with it. And I'm sure it was probably like the freshman class. Yeah, I remember Norris had the pedal cam for a race. That was pretty cool. That was cool, but I was like, all right. It's only so much you could see of someone hitting a gas pedal. I mean, if there was a clutch pedal, I'd be more intrigued because I have seen a video of Senna, you know, with his, uh, he's wearing loafers. He's driving the Acura (laughs) NSX and you just see him like, rev matching and like riding the brakes as he's driving around. I think it was Suzuka circuit as well back in 1992. That's awesome. And it was just, it was like, you had to like double clutch and stuff. Oh yeah. There's none of that now. And he's like a robot. He's just, it's in, it's insane. It's just, it's instinct. It's I, sometimes I watch footage from like the sixties and there'll be like onboard cameras. And I'm like, how the hell did they film that? Do they have like a two, huge real canisters with a massive camera on t- like how does that happen that's like, so, what yeah, technology that, is being used for this it's so crazy that's what they would do they would they would take the body sh- the shell off the car so they could fit the cameras on and then they'd have the driver do a few laps and that would be it at least from what i've like photos i've seen oh so it wasn't real footage from the race uh, i don't think so were cars around them? I don't know. Now that I think, now that I think about it, I feel like no. The footage I've seen is from Monaco. 
Yeah, I, and now that I think about it, no, there's no like active racing. I think it's just flying laps around an empty track. Mm. Going back to empty track, I did enjoy watching the safety car do some drifts. Yeah, that was fun during the uh, during the the red flag. I didn't realize that in the pit lane. So there's the pit lane, like, and then there, there's your box, and then there's the fast lane where you get released into. I didn't realize it was called the fast lane. And that just had the Eagles, like life in the fast lane playing in my head throughout my, the duration <laughs> of the race. I think that's Joe Walsh or it could be the other guitarist, but I feel like it's a Joe Walsh. It has Joe Walsh written all over it. Yeah. Joe Walsh was in like every famous band of the seventies, but he was in the Eagles. He was just all vibes. He wasn't writing any songs, but I do think their other guitarist was better. I think Joe Walsh had the best feel, but I think the other guitarist for the Eagles, I forget his name. Uh, he did the solo for one of these nights, which is one of like the smoothest, Ooh. best solos. So clean and just, uh, it sounds so good. Don Felder is his name. Don Felder. I know Don Felder. Yeah. Yeah. The guys in my band would be really disappointed because they're they like know all the side members of these famous bands. Like they know all the names of the Heartbreakers from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I'm just like, I I know Paul, George, and John and Ringo. Like those are the only four actual band members that matter in any band. <laughs> That's true. For like knowing people individually. I feel like the Beatles are the only ones you learn individually. Yeah. Anyways, fun rule is once they started, once they did the restart. They had to start on wets, but then everyone just went on uh, enters. They pitted for enters, yeah. which had a fun little moment because Mick and the Haas team didn't. They wanted to see if they stayed on wets, if they would benefit from that. And there was one glorious moment for about 1.5 seconds where Mick Schumacher led the Japanese Grand Prix. Oh, wow. And it was glorious. And then after that second was up, he was overtaken quickly by Max Verstappen. And then in the back of the grid, maybe like three minutes later. He was holding on to third for a little bit, though. He was doing good. I think my favorite part, a few of my favorite parts of this race and this race weekend was uh, the unsafe release of Sebastian Vettel and Nicholas Latifi in the pit lane after the restart where Vettel kind of just cut right in front of Latifi and they're going side by side. And then Vettel, just because he's a real race car driver, just like gunned it and then just like flew away into the race. Yeah, I think that didn't even lead to anything though. It was under review and then they were like, eh. No, it happened a few more times with other drivers. I can't name them, but I think they were just... The organizers were just so concerned with getting a race to happen to show the fans so it wouldn't be, what, like Belgium last year or something? One thing I wanted to bring up before I forget, Stroll's great start. Lance Stroll just going up the right-hand side. Yeah. He went went up like five places, maybe? It was just magically dry on that little patch. And nobody was over there. Yeah, so the thing with Suzuka Circuit I learned is that it's like all it's banked, but it's not like the ground isn't level at any place in the track. So the, the tarmac is just, you can't create specific drainage for the track. Mm. I was like, this is incredible and also horrible at the same time. 
with the Formula One calendar, I understand that it needs to be set up based on like logistics, but also next year's calendar is for crazy people. For um, crazy people and Americans. So I guess for crazy people. Yes. America, where you get crazy or where our brand is crazy. Yep. <laughs> Once you pass customs, they hand you a big old whopping bowl of crazy and set you free in the country. They hand you a pistol in the right hand and a turkey leg in the other. <laughs> uh, so that's where I was. That's, I was wow. I was, I was wowed by Lance Stroll's ability to drive. I, I am interested to see what 2023 is going to look like for Lance Stroll. Because I think he's going to do a lot better next year than this year. He he has the pedigree. As much as we want to, you know, make fun of him for being a pay driver, he he won the chan. He's won other racing series championships as F three. Yeah, as most of the grid, or usually all. I don't know Latifi's pedigree, uh, but I did hear a quote actually. Jensen Button said about Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, Kevin Magnuson, when he first started in F1, he's like, wow, this is a lot more competitive than I expected it to be. Like He said the racing series is just on a next level than any other racing series he had taken part in. So, you know, even if you're the worst driver on the grid, you know, or the best, it's... If you take the worst player in the NBA and you just have him play any pickup game at any park in the country, he will dominate. Oh yeah. Like you know, you always like watch a game and you're like, I could take that person. <laughs> like they're horrible, but no. They just look horrible compared to everybody else on the court. I, I gotta mention a quote from Latifi and All also right. a surprise W for Latifi. Latifi quote of the race. Is it raining harder? <laughs> I swear to God. The man, the go Tifi himself said that. I, I get it. You're going fast and there's a bunch of spray. So I heard that quote and I think someone on this radio was like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. yeah. They just, they, <laughs> I, the response was just like, I can't wait to be done with you at the end of this yeah. season. <laughs> is it officially announced that he's not coming back or is it just a thing everybody says? No, it's official. He's done. They he's signed. Done? No, because DeVries went to Alpha Tauri. Yeah. So there's no Williams replacement yet. Patricio Award, maybe? I don't know. I have a weird conspiracy theory that it could be Ricardo. And that Ricardo's playing negotiation game right now by saying, ah, I'll take a year off. Because he's like not scared to say he will just be out of F1 and then maybe Williams or whatever, Haas or some other team will be like, oh, actually, we'll you know, pay a little more. And then he'd be like, okay, I'll do it. Maybe that's just because I want Ricardo to stay because he's enjoyable to watch. But I could see that as a contract negotiation thing. That would be, that would just be so. Uh. I mean, because Williams is still Williams. You know, Senna drove for Williams <laughs> 20 years ago <laughs> or 30 years ago. Yeah, you're aging me, man. <laughs> yeah, Senna, I heard Senna. He always wanted to be in the best car. He wasn't the team builder guy like Schumacher and Hamilton are. Mm -hmm. He went to Williams and he begged Frank. He's He said he would drive the car for free. He just wanted to be in a Williams. Well, Williams also had, didn't they have some traction control thing that they had to outlaw after? Yeah. Because they were dominating so hard? Yeah. 
the car was just too advanced for the rest of the grid. I mean, it's like for all you car people out there, it's like back in what, 1987 to 1989, it was the, uh, which is the greatest car in the world, the Ferrari F40, which is a Formula One car for the road, or the Porsche 959, which is the was the most technologically advanced uh, sports car. It was like the Tesla P90D, like the car that goes 200 miles per hour on a charge and zero to 60 in two seconds. Is that the Tesla Plaid? Yeah, the Plaid, the Plaid. It was uh, it was that car of its era. It was just this fast, r- crazy-looking car that just blew everyone's mind. It had like traction control, limited slip differential. Just, I mean, the car, though, both of those cars these days sell for like upwards of two million dollars. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. All right, and last, uh, and win for Latifi. I'm I'm keeping on the Latifi trains. We're not going to see much of him anymore. Latifi started in 20th place, okay? Ended in 9th, in between George Russell and Lando Norris in 9th place. He always does well in the rain. Maybe always is a strong word. Lately, he's been doing very well in the rain. Was it rained like twice this year then? No, it rained rained Monaco, it rained Singapore, it rained uh, Suzuka. I think there was one more. Am I forgetting? Or am I is that it? Oh yeah, you're right. That's it. But Singapore was a procession because it was a it's a street track. <laughs> yeah, but Latifi, I he was earning his stripes, finishing in ninth, though. That was he just... earned a stripe. <laughs> he's that he's a zebra with like some sort of chromosome issue. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's a zebra with one stripe down the belly. So he's like Madagascar. He's black <laughs> yeah, with white stripes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and yeah, this race was just a great race. But yeah, Joe, world championship title decider. What- yeah, I, I got I got a little thing I want to talk about for the Max Verstappen. Yeah, please. Crowning world champion. Man, that was so lackluster and so underwhelming. The way to be crowned world champion, especially considering coming off of last year with you have Horner being like, Max Verstappen, you are the world champion, the world champion. You know what I mean? The screaming. And this time it was just like, oh, by the way, hey, I just got a fax here saying they they happen to be giving you world champions. Like, okay, sure. But first of all, they didn't even know how many points are going to be awarded because yeah. of the timed race, and is it 50%, is it 25%, and apparently they just crossed the 50% mark, so they're able to, did they get full points to 10th? They they awarded full they, points? Yeah, they did, they awarded full points. So the before it was going to go, I believe, only up to 8th, and it would be a fractional uh, amount of points, uh, but they changed it last minute, uh, and there's also new rules that since it's it didn't end behind a, uh, uh, it didn't end as a red flag for a timed race or all this stuff. And nobody knew. And I got to say, this is where I think American sports shines. Tell me more. If this was an American broadcast with American sports commentators, they have every, they have every statistic at their fingertips for every possible outcome. 
Watch any American sports. They can tell you how many passing yards Tom Brady has thrown, uh, how many shots from the three-point line Steph Curry has made. They have all these statistics. And I feel like watching Formula One, they, they them not knowing right when Max crossed the line that he was world champion and them finding out from watching, it just shows that they're like passive observers that just happen to be talking about it. They're like podcasters. They're like us. Yeah. Apparently, we can be commentating Formula One. We'd be entertaining. But American American sports commentators, they almost treat themselves like journalists. Yeah. Like it's a it's a form of journal it's like sports journalism is a thing. Yeah. And they take it seriously. I don't know if they have that over in Europe, but man, it was so lackluster and just kind of boring the way it was presented, the way it was discovered, the way it was told to the audience. And I feel like hopefully when they do more stuff in America, they'll pick up on how American sports commentators talk about sports. Yeah. I, yeah. The issue is it feels like all these sports commentators, they, Formula One is like a hobby for them. They, they're, they're sports commentators either on other sports or just, or they're just former racers. Just because you're a professional at something doesn't mean you're good at talking about it. That's right? true as well. Like, like yeah. I just mentioned about sports journalism is literally a degree. Yeah. Like you can get a degree in sports journalism. Like you don't have to be an athlete to to be a journalist on it. Right. And I think that's yeah. the beauty of uh good journalism. Like the New York Times, the New York Times pays really good reporters to report on the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, to report on the Yankees, on the Red Sox. Right? I, I don't know. Do they not do that in Europe? Is that strictly an American thing? Probably is because we do love our sports here, especially football. I think that this probably comes from football. Oh, yeah. Go Eagles. There you go. I will say this too. How sad is it that the top car manufacturers in the world can't beat an energy drink company <laughs> at a motorsport? <laughs> Why is. A company that makes a caffeinated beverage better than Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault. Why? Well, Renault is because you got Esteban Ocon, who's just a giant bus on the track and doesn't let Lewis Hamilton through to win every race. His defending was brilliant, by the way. Because he's a bus. Yeah. I'm not not a Three miles wide. Yeah. He's 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 like a true Texan American. Three miles wide. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is also with no DRS too, so. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But that just means it's real racing, and apparently Lewis needs the, uh, I need my DRS. He, need, he needs the blue pills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, well, yeah, that's what's so funny. I think I mentioned this on, an, on a previous episode. Ferrari, they started building cars to fund their racing, and now they're they they're better at building luxury cars than they are race cars today. Sure. At least yeah. in Formula One. They're I think it's the 488 challenge cars now. Those are pretty awesome. The Iron Dames, the all women team drive that in GT racing. Speaking of the all women's team, the W series. Yeah. Ran out of money and they had to end their season early. And um Jamie Chadwick, crown champion. I didn't talk about a lackluster, another lackluster announcement. I didn't hear this at all. Whoa. Where, yeah. what news source? 
Um, Foxnews.com. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it was on, I think F1 made a statement and also the, the whoever controls the WCs at the FIA also made a statement too. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I follow a lot. I mean, I get it from the formula one app, but also uh motorsport.com. I enjoy. Yeah. Chadwick, uh, grabs title and, uh, they end three races short. That's sad. That is, I gotta say there's a great bit by Bill Burr being like, you know, we talk about support women, support women, all mm-hmm. this stuff like watch women's sports. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> where, are, where are the people watching? Like you got to watch women's sports. It's like you talk about supporting women. WNBA man, go to the game. I can't wait. Honestly, I cannot wait to take my daughter to WNBA games because it's so much cheaper and I just enjoy basketball. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to get courtside tickets and go see games. Oh. I'm so excited at Barclays probably. That's still probably a pretty penny, but still. You, like, do, you could do it once once a year. Yeah. I you know what, thinking about it, I'm I'm trying to go overseas in July. I know the Formula One season will be going on. I'm curious maybe there'll be a W series going on in uh, some of the cities I'll be in. That'd be uh Maybe. I don't know. That'd be awesome. W series. I mean it's I just want to see cars go fast in circles. I don't I don't I don't care the gender of the person. Yeah. I just want to make, you know, I just want to see cars go fast. Yep. All right. Predictions next week. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening to Stateside F1. Please like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your sweet, sweet podcast content. Follow us on Instagram at StatesideF1 and TikTok at StatesideF1 Podcast. And feel free to DM us. Send us memes, comments, suggestions, questions, etc. We will respond and follow you back. See you next week. Bye, guys.